This is the Australian Hunting Podcast, hunting, shooting and fishing radio on the AHP Digital Radio Network. Visit us at australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. Sit back, relax and enjoy. Here's the host of the show, Jason Selms. Welcome back to the Australian Hunting Podcast here on the AHP Digital Radio Network, the only dedicated hunting, shooting and fishing radio show here in Australia. If you'd like to find out more about AHP, visit australianhuntingpodcast.com.au. If you would like to email us, then you can go to the website and click on the contact icon. Or alternatively, you can email me directly at australianhuntingpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to listen to the Australian Hunting Podcast, you can visit the website and click on the archived podcast link. You can also subscribe to the Australian Hunting Podcast on iTunes for automatic updates. Make sure you leave a comment and rate us five stars on iTunes. That would be much appreciated. On Facebook, you can find us under Australian Hunting Podcast, where listeners are sharing ideas, thoughts and opinions, as well as photos and videos twitter.com forward slash ah podcast if you'd like to follow our twitter feed you can also check out my videos on youtube under the name aussie federal control alternatively all social media links can be found on the website everyone knows i love my listeners but i've got especially some extra special love for my donating listeners if you'd like to donate or do a monthly subscription to the show go to the website and click on the donate button on the right hand side of the main page and show your support which is always appreciated that helps us keeps the lights on in this joint and pay those bills we have over 65 hours of free podcasting audio content to date for you all to enjoy share the australian hunting podcast with your friends and family and get as many people as you know into hunting shooting and fishing as possible so they can enjoy this fantastic lifestyle that we all love so as usual without further ado let's get into my interview with today's guest this is rod drew ceo of field and game australia this is rob fickling from beyond the divide and maroka 30 Hi, this is Col Allison, hunter, journalist for 42 years and a shooter. Hi, this is Russell Mark, Olympic gold medalist. This is Charlie Jacoby from Field Sports Britain. Hey everybody, it's Tom Knapp and you're listening to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Rob Fickling, welcome to the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for joining me, appreciate your time. Thanks, Jace. Good to be back again for another one. If people don't know who you are, tell us about yourself. Do you hunt, shoot, fish, all of the above? Give us a rundown. Yep, all of the above. I run uh, Maroka 30, uh, the Australian brand of hunting gear based out of our uh, headquarters and shop down at Caram Downs in Melbourne. Um, we distribute that gear through gun shops all around the country and online. I've been doing that for five or six years now, five years, and I also do Beyond the Divide, present and produce that, which is Australia's uh, first hunting television series. Yep. Tell them, tell the listeners about um, Beyond the Divide, how you got into it, you know, what sort of, you know, what can they expect to see on this awesome TV show? We're into our third series this year, um, depending on this, when this broadcast goes to air, this is... Uh, what are we now? We're coming into March and we're due to start around the country on Channel 44 with Series 3 in late April, early May. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's been a big success over its previous two series and Series 3 is a cracker. It's our best stuff yet, that's for sure. <laughs> and you've got uh, the usual mix of plenty of good action hunting from around Australia and overseas and plenty of stories of conservation in there as well. Tell the listeners how long you've been hunting for. Give us a bit of a rundown of your experience because today, as you know, we're going to be talking about some advanced samba hunting te- techniques, how long you've been involved in the industry and hunting in general. Well, being a Victorian, uh, as lucky as I am down here to be in the hunting state, um, I've been into it since, you know, since I was a little kid, basically. Um, I had a lot of family uh, involved in, in farms and farming interstate, so I grew up on properties and you know, hunting and... And rifles are just accepted part of the um, a part of the scene, so I didn't really know anything different. So I reckon I was, you know, starting out with the one seven seven air rifle and shooting starlings and bunnies as as, as soon as someone had let me uh, let me have a go of it. So um, 
yeah, no real time, but just a lifetime involvement, I suppose. And uh, it just progressed from, you know, starlings to shooting rabbits and then hunting foxes. And then, um, yeah, as I said earlier, being a Victorian, I was very lucky to be exposed to the, to the, uh, to the number one game animal in the Southern Hemisphere, if not the world, you know, the Samba. So I got bitten by the Samba bug very early uh, in my late teens. And as soon as I had my peas and had a vehicle, I was out of here and up the bush. <laughs> Well, I've had a few emails from several different people asking, sort of giving me some ideas for different questions. Uh, so your favourite gun, Robert Fickling owns uh, a specific gun that he loves the most. Which one is it? Oh, just the old thirty oh six, my old faithful thirty oh six, the old uh, the old rusty Remington, I call it. It's been hammered over the years. It's been with me everywhere. But, uh, yeah, that was my my first one, and uh, now with Beyond the Divide, I'm lucky to be sponsored by Beretta, so we use their beautiful Seiko rifles, and it's pretty hard to go past the Seiko. Yep. Uh, I know there's different – this is an interesting question. I didn't throw this one in, but it is a, quite a funny one. A lot of different people, like when they they meet people, especially like you know men meeting women, you've obviously got a girlfriend slash wife, so what does she think about the hunting? Um, yeah, my, uh, my partner, Nicole, she's um, – Look, she's she's not a she's not a hunter. She's not a hunter at all, actually. But you know, she's she's totally she's totally in tune with it. You know, her dad's a navy man. He's a keen fisherman and a hunter himself. Um, she grew up with it. She's she's um, she's a good example of uh, uh, you know of the middle road Australia that just accepts it for what it is and doesn't have a, an anti view on it, uh, but it doesn't want to get involved. And then you've got the extremes of all of us keen hunters that love it and. And yep. live by, it. and then you've got the other extreme to the people that want to take that away from us. So, um, yeah, Nicole's just happy for me to do what I do, and our little boy Charlie, he's certainly growing up to have that. Uh, he's got those. He's got my genes in him, that's for sure. <laughs> I just got that question. I it's actually happened to me. I know I get a lot of emails from people saying, "Oh, you know, some women don't like it." They've you know, like it's happened to me. Even gone out on dates, and eventually it's come out two or three weeks down the track. And it hasn't been recepted well, that's for sure. No, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of funny. All right, what do you – Rob Fickling loves uh, a species to hunt. I know we are talking about samba hunting. You don't have to say that. But what's your favourite um, game you like to hunt? Well, look, it, yeah, it would it would be samba. They're, they're an incredible animal, and we'll talk about that further as we proceed. But, uh, yeah, that, that would be the number one. But, mate, just bread and butter stuff. I just love hunting pigs. You know, uh, when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was to hunt pigs, you know, grow, grow up and head <laughs> up, up over the border. And that's all there was, you know, for going back to the, to the, to the mid-80s and the 80s when I was into shooting and growing up, you know, the, the, the big pigs of, of western New South Wales and Queensland and the Territory, that was what, what you dreamed about. The Samba were a secret society back then. Um, so, uh, yeah, I still love it to this day. People laugh at me when... <laughs> you know, I'm the presenter of this TV show and I get stupidly excited about a dirty old pig running out and uh, I love it, yeah. So anytime, anywhere, I'll go on a pig hunt, that's for sure. <laughs> Mate, tell us about samba deer, say, as a game species or to hunt in Australia. So tell us about them just in general. Okay, well, look, <laughs> we're pretty restricted here. I mean, how, we've got a podcast, we'll do the best we can. But, you know, th this uh, Samba are, are a lifetime involvement and, and it's a big topic, but I'll, I'll try and do the best I can. I'm going <laughs> to preface this with a funny story. A guy, yeah. uh, he, up, he was starting out and he was at Western Port 88 and he came up to me and he, oh, I was talking to him about it. And I later met his, his wife um, down the street or something and, um, and she said to me, oh, you know, he's going really well and, yeah, he loves, he loves the club and he's getting into his deer and I really hope he gets a stag this year so he just gets it over and done with, you know, then he can do something else. And I laughed and I said, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> no, one, no one starts on the Samba and just gives up. It just gets in your blood and you've got it for life. So that's, that's you know, that typifies how special they are, particularly to – Australians, you know, the Samba are a very unique species and they're so hard to hunt. They're very tenacious. Uh, we'll go through more of that. But uh, they, um, you know, they live in, in such a special environment as well up in the, the Victorian high country. Of course, these days, Samba have sp spread. Um, their range is huge compared to what we started, we started with. So I'm lucky, if you like, in my generation that it's gone from very low numbers in a secret society to being the 
the premier flagship, you know, game species of Australia. And there's a lot more information, a lot more knowledge about them. And the, and and basically, there's a lot more numbers. You know, the Samba have spread right out to fringe areas, and they're you know they're 30, 40 k's from Melbourne right up, you know, to to Canberra and the south coast of New South Wales and spreading. So, uh, yeah, a big challenging species in a tough environment, you know, hunting one-on-one, they're pretty solitary, they don't vocalise, you know, what more could a hunter want when it comes to a challenge and they're beautiful eating. Oh, well done. Mate, what can people expect when, you know, hunting the Samba deer species? What should they expect from the experience, so to speak? Okay, so... um, in yeah, in taking on a samba, yeah, it, it it is. It's not a you know, it's not a one weekend thing. It's not like you're you're just going to go out and, and and give it give it a go. It takes serious commitment. Um, so you've got to commit yourself to learning about the deer, studying their habitat, studying their habits, you know, studying the habitat that they live in, and then just getting down there. You can expect um, you know, pretty steep terrain. It's uh, those hills are pretty unforgiving. You can go as hard at it as you want or you can keep it as simple as you want by literally, you know, poking around the, the bottom ends of gullies near fringe country and catching them out as they move or you can get right into it and throw in a backpack and, and head off into wilderness where, you, you know, you mightn't see another boot print. So um, the terrain is certainly a part of it and it, it can be very physical. You, you're dealing with Victorian winters as well. It gets pretty damn cold down here. You can expect it to be snowy and nasty right through from uh from june till september uh may you know may may through to september and um you, we can hunt them all year we're very lucky so you can hunt them over the summer months as well so dealing with the heat and the snakes and everything else is another part of the challenge but you can be expecting to be using all your senses all the time when hunting samba and i think that's what makes it so special Yep, what are the, say, top two or three things people should do, say, before heading out on a Samba hunt? You know, do they, have they got to find terrain? Just, you know, what should they generally do? Okay, so a good place to start, um, and this is, this kind of depends where you come from too, and it's a great thing these days that, that hunters come over from Tassie, they come from interstate, you know, they come over from New South Wales, South Australia, everywhere to, you know, to come and have a Samba hunt down here in Victoria on public land. So, um, Doing as much research is, if you can, as you can is, is, is important. You know, if you're starting from scratch, then obviously coming up with an, with an area um, and then, which is pretty easy actually, like, you know, basically uh, anywhere east of the, of the Hume Highway in public land in Victoria is, is, is going to have, is the Samba Range and it's going to have Samba in it somewhere. You're not going to have to look too far to find evidence of them. Finding them is the tricky bit, but finding evidence of them shouldn't be too hard. So um, I think that's the easy bit. But if you can get someone, you know, doing your preparation, if you can find someone to go with that's an experienced Samba hunter or had some experience with them, that'll be a huge help. Um, You can learn from people like the Australian Deer Association. They are the deer people in this country. Um, And there's a lot of magazines out there and there's there's quite a few books now as well. So... That preparation always helps to study your maps, not only of where you're going, but the terrain. You're looking at aspects and uh, things like that. Weather is a very important thing and aspect with Sam hunting. We'll get onto that later. But uh, checking yep. the legal areas, checking all the legal issues that, you know, we have state forest and national parks down here that are open to Sam hunting, but there are, you know, sort of minor restrictions within that broad blanket um you know, permission to hunt in public land, there are certain restrictions. So you have to check that and um, make sure you've got all the right gear. You know, you need, some, you need some pretty serious gear to do this properly and consistently. And then the last thing I'd reckon is to just give yourself enough time. You know, you've got to get in there and make some mistakes and learn from them. We never stop learning with Samba. So it's not really a one afternoon outing. It's, you know, it's a weekend or it's a week kind of thing. So I always say to people, um, you know, we're bound by work and time and family, everyone is, but if you can get as much time as you can in the bush, you'll you'll definitely learn the most. Rob, why Samba hunting? A lot of people get frustrated, you know, they go out and they're like, oh, you know, I didn't get one in the first couple of hours. You know, what can, you know, why Samba hunting in particular than, say, other types of deer that people just get this bug for Samba? Um, yeah, it's, it comes down to the challenge, you know, their, their elusiveness. Um I mean, these days, I think to, to get out there and you know take take. I mean, any samba is a trophy stalked, you know, stalked one on one. 
But to, to get a big trophy stag, you know, everyone wants the 30-incher is seen to be the benchmark trophy um, inside. But to, to get a 30-incher is a, is a serious a serious achievement. Um, so they are, you know, they are very elusive. They're hard to track down. Um, you've, they don't have the same characteristics of, of fallow and reds where they're um, – and like with fallow, okay, fallow are heavily ruled by their gut. They're very always very close to improved pasture. Um, they can survive in the bush, but in very limited areas, they nearly always need to surprise, to rely on improved pasture. So they're generally a fringe species uh, as opposed to samba, which are browsers, so they can live in the middle of nowhere, just thriving off the scrub. Um, same with red deer. Um, Red deer generally uh, like to hang around improved pasture. They still can live in the bush, but in this country, um, most of our red deer are close to fringe areas. Uh, we've got, um, you know, we've got the Cheetle deer up north, and and they're all their their range is mostly on on private land, and uh, they're a big you know, herd animal. Yep, and, and they like to be around people. Cheetle, they don't really mind being you know close to farms and things like that. So. Um, yeah, you've got a rooster the same essentially. Um, hog deer are pretty pretty tricky little customers, but um, you've got all, all those factors. All those factors of, of those other deer are definitely pretty foreign to the samba who likes to be on his own in the bush in some pretty hard to get country. So I think that's the challenge. Mm. Yeah, how does we're just you're talking just a bit about behaviour. How does a samba deer in behaviour, especially physically as well, differ from say other species of deer? Are they are they a lot different. Are they more flighty? Just give us a rundown. Well, they are. They're very, they're very highly strung deer. I often say, <laughs> yeah. Education courses. I reckon life as a samba would be too stressful. Like they're just <laughs> constantly on the on the alert. And if you ever get to watch a samba, it's. It's fantastic to watch them just how alert they are and cautious they are because they'll often feed and then just look around and stand still for no particular reason when there's absolutely no sort of evidence of predators. And these animals have evolved, you know, with the tiger from from Southeast Asia, from India, Sri Lanka, Sumatra, with the tiger as their number one predator. So, you know, when you've got an animal like the tiger sneaking around trying to take you down, it's, you're going to be pretty elusive. It beats me why the samba worked out to, to have, you know, all the, all the brain, or have extra brains. You've got the hog deer and chittle that um, evolved, that, that come from those areas as well. And by no means they're a, a, an unintelligent deer, but samba are definitely in a rank of their own. Um, so maybe because they're a big feed, you know, the tiger puts a lot of energy into taking down a samba. He's got a big feed. So maybe that's why they're so elusive but it's definitely that their their tenacity and and their um yeah they're they're just their <laughs> overall overall six senses they're amazing yeah there's they they just are so alert they're, they're always alert and a big stag on his own now, he's a tough tough customer to get close to to get within to get within range so though they'll, they'll often feed and and be on the total look be on the total lookout, there's always an animal looking out. If they're in a group, they're rarely in big groups. That we, as the population's grown, we're seeing a lot more bigger groups of samba. But um, you know, in in the genuine bush areas, in the heart of the the wilderness, the national park country, um, it's still rare to see big groups of samba. Certainly, you'll see the um, the classic family group of a hind and a yearling and a young one, or a couple of hinds. Uh, and in season, the stag might be close there, but generally they're on their own. The big stags are generally very solitary, and the um, the hinds are often just in those small little groups as well. So that makes them tricky to track down as well. And they're highly alert. They bed up for you know for most of the day. Um, they just, they feed in the in the in, in the hours of low light, so they're hard to track down. And when they bed, they bed in tricky stuff where they don't want to be, don't be caught out. You know, they bed down where they know a tiger's not going to sneak up, sneak up on them. So you won't really, you never catch one bedding out in the open, that's for sure. <laughs> I know they're certainly tough. We're just going to go to a quick break. We'll be back uh, with our advanced samba hunting podcast with Rob Fickling. Do you hunt deer and want to learn the correct techniques for a quality wall mount and premium eating venison? 
SSSAA Sydney branch provides hunter education courses to help you become a better hunter and to utilise harvested game in the most effective way possible. Course content includes gunning, butchering and caping from experienced hands-on instructors using locally harvested deer. There is no gear required and also includes a barbecue lunch. Courses are held every first Sunday of each month with an 8am sign-in for a 9am start. Course running time is approximately 6 hours and the venue is Silverdale Rifle Range. Cost is $50 per person, so call Andy Mallon at Silverdale Rifle Range on 02-4653-1440 or visit ssaasydney.net. For everything Bushnell, go to Red Fox Outdoor Supplies online store. For a full range of Bushnell rifle scopes, rangefinders, binoculars, night vision, spotting scopes and Hoppies gun cleaning products. Red Fox are also major online retailers for the popular Aussie Maxbox brand and the rest of the innovative products distributed by Eagle Eye Hunting Gear. All at Red Fox Outdoor Supplies. So go to the website redfoxoutdoorsupplies.com.au or phone Greg on 0412 495 712. Hey Mars, did you know there's a place in New South Wales that gun owners, hunters and sporting shooters are very familiar with? Of course Jason, that place is Horsley Park Gun Shop. That's because they've been around for 30 years and have built a reputation for being the best in the business. They have an extensive range of firearms, ammunition, gun safes, optics and accessories for all your hunting and shooting requirements. And did you know, Jason, they always have bulk ammo specials? Absolutely. The friendly staff at Horsley Park Gun Shop are always there to help you and give you the best advice. Horsley Park Gun Shop are open Monday to Saturday and you can find them on the internet at hpgs.com.au. Come and talk to the team at Horsley Park Gun Shop at 1848 Horsley Road, Horsley Park. Or call them on 9620-1313. The Sporting Shooters Association of Australia proudly presents the largest event for the sport shooting industry right here in Melbourne. The SSAA Shot Expo, May the 23rd and 24th. For the true enthusiast, the SSAA Shot Expo showcases the professionalism and commitment to safety of sport shooting in Australia. Safety and training demos, ethical hunting and conservation, outdoor and camping, archery, it's all on show. The SSAA Shot Expo, Melbourne Showgrounds, May the 23rd and 24th. Pay on the day or go to shotexpo.com.au for sponsors, exhibitors and online bookings. Rob, we were just talking about uh, areas that deer, uh, or Sassamba deer, actually hang out in. Are they sort of, are they territorial and what sort of terrain? I mean, people, you said uh, where we can find a Samba deer, especially in Victoria. I know they are moving up a little bit into New South Wales as well. But what areas should people be looking at? Thick areas? Are they going to be out in the open? Are they territorial? What should we look for? So the... <laughs> Yeah, again, as the as the population swells and their and their areas, you know, and their colonisation areas grows, well, we're learning more and more about them. But I'm going to apply this to the bush areas in Victoria. So, look, the, they are terri- they are territorial. Um, a, a stag is definitely territorial. We still don't know by science uh, exactly the home range of a samba, and that's something that we need to pick up on in this country. And it's certainly something I think the ADR will be working on. It's something the New Zealand deer stalkers and doc over there have done very well with gps collaring but so i'm not going to try and answer a question with an exact thing i don't know but they are territorial in the sense that a stag will mark out uh and heavily signpost his territory so you've got you've got rub trees you've got um you know you've got game trails you've got wallows you you've got uh, preaching trees you've got all these things that uh are signposts and effectively communication places for for the samba so they do have a home range and these and you'll generally find family groups and stags living in that home range but it's look it's no problem for a stag to to run out you know to move particularly when he's being chased by hounds or chasing another you know fighting with a stag or chasing a hind in season i, I glassed a, a monster stag once in some really back back country on a, on a backpack hunt and I reckon I glassed him running for two or three kilometres in, in some open escarpment country chasing a hind on heat. And that was a real eye-opener for me. And, you know, he covered that ground in about 30 minutes. Um, so, 
yeah, don't think just because you're in one gully, you know, that's going to be their home range. And a gully can be pretty big. You need to deal with, uh, you know, gullies and valleys and certain, you know, watersheds and certain systems. So they should, anyway, for a hunter starting, they should be looking for uh, in the cold times of the year, you know, the winter when generally most people get into it is, uh, you know, some good north-facing country where the samba can... Um, can can bed up in the in the morning sun. They definitely like that after cold nights, uh, and they like to feed up from the valley floors in the morning. Basically, the good feed is generally down low, and they usually bed up. They love those dogwood faces, those north northerly aspect um, steep faces with a lot of dogwood on them. They love to bed and browse and feed in that. Generally, it's not good for hunting though. You every sample will know about bashing through dogwood and scrub, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, the, the samba in there, that's for sure. And then it's usually above that line that, you know, the top of those areas and that top third that the uh, the, the big guys like like to hang out. They definitely like to bed high. They get security from elevation. You'll find that most stag beds uh, are generally that top third of, of, the, of the mountain, of the face that you're hunting. So I start my hunts usually down low looking for sign, depending on what I'm looking for, and um, you can usually find sign of a morning down low along the, the creeks and the lusher country where the samba have fed through the night and then they start to start to rise up the face to, to, to a bedding spot. Yeah, we're talking about um, uh, samba. I mean, I know lots of other deer sort of hang out in different size groups. What about samba? Fairly lonesome? I mean, I'm, I'm talking... From females to males to the younger ones, what groups do they sort of get in or can it differ? Yeah, it can differ. We touched on that before, but, yeah, definitely not, you know, you're not looking at herd sizes like you would with, you know, with fallow or reds or chittle for sure. Um, they're going to be small groups. The generally the generally the, the most common group size of samba you bump into is the hind and, and, and calf or hind and yearling and calf, you know, two to three. Um, sometimes they're accompanied by a stag and then the other ones are usually stag encounters on their own. You know, stags are pretty solitary. Um, so I reckon if I could if I could group together sort of 90% of my samba encounters, I would say that they've generally been solitary Stags or spikers. Spikers are often in pairs. That's pretty common when they're younger. They you seem to hang around together. But uh, yeah, Sam stags on their own, bigger mature stags on their own. Um, spikers in pairs or the standard family group of a of a mature hind, uh, a young one, and a yearling. Yep. What a so let's talk about the breeding habits of Sam. But what time of year or what's also the best time uh, to hunt them during the roar? Or give us a rundown. Yeah, well, this is another interesting one. This is something that's very intriguing about samba, particularly for us, you know, here in the in the southern hemisphere. Samba do not have a distinct breeding period and and rut like all our other species do. And again, this adds to a bit of the intrigue and the challenge of hunting them uh, with your your vocal deer like your your elk and your reds and and your fallow. And to extent, chittle and seeker, they have a very distinct raw period. You know, March, April, we're coming into it now. Uh, but samba do not vocalise during their mating period. They vocalise with their legendary honk. Um, when you've been <laughs> honked at by a samba, you certainly know you're alive. Uh, it's an awesome sound. You, uh, except when it's at who... night, Rob. Except when it's at night, I get <laughs> yeah. scared. I'm in my tent and I get scared like anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's awesome, isn't it? There's nothing like being virtually backflipped from a honk. And if you haven't heard it, you can't really describe it to you, but it's such a cool sound. It really is an H-O-N-K, the way, they, the way that comes out. And it sounds like someone's put a Bedford truck at the top of a, <laughs> top of a gully in the, uh, in, in, in the high country. It's incredible. So they do vocalise with that for sure. And when they want you to know about it, they want you to know about it hard. And what it is is a scare tactic, you know, and, and it works. It usually scares the daylights out of the hunter and it gives them a few seconds to get away. Um, but... Um, as opposed to breeding, vocalizations like roaring and grunting and croaking like fallow, uh, they don't do it. Now, again, it's something that we haven't scientifically studied hard here. They definitely looked at testosterone levels of stags in, 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 um, in breeding and in pens and the few captive ones. And we owe a lot of credit to uh, Mike Harrison at the Bunyip Deer Enclosure with ADA that's been closed down now and also to a lot of... Um, 
Errol Mason's work and um, and Max Downs in the original old the Forest Deer Project that literature. But we have a distinct period where they're mostly in hard antler. You can find uh, samba in hard antler at any time of the year. That's what's weird. But uh, they generally, are, the majority of the stags are in hard antler from April through to sort of September, October time. And there definitely seems to be a peak breeding time. And it's been proven that samba can breed any time during that, that, uh, those sort of six to nine months. But you've got a definite peak in, in rutting and breeding activity from, uh, from April through to September. You've got a lot of stags rubbing out um, April, May time. Anyone who gets up the bush there that time will notice a difference um, in, the, in the stag sign. And also in September, August, September, you've generally seemed to find um, a lot more of the stags chasing around hinds when they're you know, in season. So that's a good time to, to target the stags anywhere from, um, from April through to September is the peak time. That being said, um, I shot my first good stag on um, Australia Day uh, nice. years back, years back. And um, he was about to cast, in, in, interestingly enough. Uh, so I'll never forget that hunt because it was about 38 degrees. <laughs> uh, so and yeah yeah uh, anyone you know who hunts over the summer period up in the, in the state forest where you can hunt the national parks closed over the summer december to february but certainly our state forest we can still hunt in and uh yeah you get some strange results up there with seeing velvet stags and hard antler stags right through the summer yep well speaking of that what's the best one rob fickling's taken the best sambadir he's taken then my my best one to date look i've had uh, I've had some awesome hunts, but I mean to put a figure on it and to you'd, put a you'd beat yeah, me easily, put... Rob. Anyway, no, mine's a big fat zero. So I mean, it's just <laughs> yeah, you'd definitely beat I me mean, easily. Tro- so. <laughs> on the trophy side of it, look, I'm not the best samba hunter by far, mate. I mean, there's guys that dedicate their life to it. They're out there every weekend, you know. Um, but uh, you know, I just I just love them. I'm certainly prepared to share what I know about them. So. I've had a lot of good hunts. A lot of the best hunts haven't been the ones that end up successfully. But my, if it comes down to the trophy, yeah, my best stag is is a big heavy twenty nine that I couldn't couldn't stretch out to the thirty inch mark. So yeah, <laughs> I like to like to think that challenge is still there for me. It certainly is. I'm, I'm uh, I've seen a few big boys, that's for sure. I haven't been able to get to them, um, and I've missed plenty of challenges and never stopped learning. Yeah, I love I love getting busted by Sam Badir. They're, they're masters at it. So. Yeah, um, but yeah, some of the look, some of the most memorable hunts would be with my pointer. You know, when I trained him up and we got our deer, um, and then being with mates, you know, that had come along for the first time and, and and got deer, and then also just you know when you when you track deer for a long time for a long, you know, when you have a whole day on on deer virtually and you finally get one, that's that's very rewarding. You know, that's what I love about Samba the most. I think is is that you can track them, you know, you can physically track them. It's real old school kind of Hiawatha stuff, so it's fun. Yeah, when people are going out there, Rob, they're, you know, they're in the bush and obviously Samba, they're quite, you know, dark in, in colours that I've seen and they tend to blend in really well. What should we be hmm. doing, glassing the area? What are we looking for if they're bedding down? What, are we listening? What are we, what are we doing to try and not spook them, you know, getting up on one, not knowing about it and then spooking them? Yeah, tend to blend in very well. That's the understatement, <laughs> isn't it? They're masters at it, aren't they? They're amazing. They, they are. can. Um, well, one of their biggest defences is standing still, and they'll let you walk straight past them. That that is one of their key defences. Um, if they know you're coming and they can't smell you, they're happy to stand absolutely dead still and let you walk past. It wasn't until I got a pointer that. Um, I, you start realising just how many deer you walk past and it's a pretty common campfire thing to say, geez, I wonder how many you walk past. You know, I think the closest one I've had, I shot a hind once about four metres away um, and she was standing dead still and uh, it wasn't until I paused and just had that kind of sixth sense that something was there and looked around to my left and there she was just waiting, you know. Um, so, but most of the time it works out in their favour. So they are very dark. They, they, have, they, they, they go from grey through to almost sort of black, brown, they have the, the, um, the big ginger hand that we know about on, on, on their rear end that's usually most what <laughs> is usually the only thing you see when they're running off, <laughs> the, the, fa- the famous Samba ginger ham. Um, but, yeah, you need to be looking for dark, you know, a dark. <laughs> you need to be looking for an animal that is, is 
absolutely at one with its surroundings and blending in. So they're, they're very camouflaged. They stand still. So you need to be glassing heavily as you go um, with the with the development of high-end optics in the last 10 years and you know the availability and the affordability of them. The best thing you can get yourself as a samba hunter is a good pair of binos. And so you should be stalking through the bush, stopping regularly and glassing ahead. You know, and that's not just, you know, 80 metres ahead, 100 metres ahead. Sometimes it's impossible to find a bush that open, particularly in Victoria. But, you know, you need to be looking for a part of a deer. You don't need to, be, you shouldn't be looking for a deer because you won't see a samba. What you'll see is its leg or you'll see its ear or you'll see an antler or you'll see a flick of a tail or a nostril or its jaw as it's chewing, you know, its cud, something like that. So when you get the, when you get the, um, when you get it out of your head that you're looking for a deer and you start looking for parts of a deer, particularly that horizontal back line, that's the best thing that stands out uh, in the bush, that, that big horizontal back line of a deer standing there. And uh, from then, once you spot them, yeah, you've usually got a few seconds to get off a well-placed shot. Yep. What about for the food or the diet? Of Samba deer, Rob. Are they generally, as you said before, thick scrub feeders? What do they feed on? Are they fringe feeders? What do they generally feed on? Well, they'll, they'll feed on a huge um, variety of, of species, but they are browsers, right? So they can, um, they can live way back in the bush and they just uh, they browse on shrubs. They, they'll eat grass and um, they've, yeah, Reg Gordon's even got some footage that I saw that blew my mind of them actually eating gum leaves. So, um, they'll, uh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll eat anything out there, but they particularly love new shoots. They, um, they love the caprosma. Um, they love clover up in the, up in the high plains where, you know, over summer where there's good rains, the, the clover kicks out. Um, so on fringe countries, you'll get them raiding crops. You know, they love turnips and, um, and, and all sorts of, uh, and all sorts of grains where they can, they can get them. They'll eat, they'll eat anything, but, uh, they don't need all that good stuff. They can live in some pretty crazy, rocky, dry, barren ground that you think no animal would want to be in. And then sure enough, you know, Samba can step out and be looking like it's living on rocks and dirt. They're amazing. Yeah, a lot of people think, you know, this, the, the Samba are just in high country or in cold areas of Victoria. Is this true? No, no, no. You've, you've got them everywhere. You know, you've, you, you've got them now at the back of M- Melbourne coming down through you know, Whittlesea, Lilydale, right across the, the back of Pakenham. You know, they're anywhere they'll find a little scrubby corridor um, that they can move through in, 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 in cover and have, you know, the basic needs of cover and food, water, protection, shelter, etc., and be able to socialise with other Samba and mate. You know, they'll, they'll move around and they're continually moving. So... Uh, yeah, you definitely don't have to start looking in the craziest, wildest country you can find. Any 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 patch of bush in, on, on fringe country in Melbourne, all the way up to you know the top of Kosciuszko, that's uh, that's where they can be. Yep. All right. Calibers, yes, calibers of firearms, Rob. A lot of conjecture on what uh, calibers would suit uh, to hunt samba with. What do you think? I know you're talking about your 3006. Obviously, is a, is a great color as well. What would you feel confident uh, that people should use if they wanted to go and hunt samba? Look, anything legally speaking, anything from a 270 upwards is, is your legal requirement to hunt them, um, and you need to be competent to be able to handle what you can shoot. But with the most crucial thing is with samba is bullet is bullet placement you know shot placement on samba because they're very tough animals and they're very hard to kill they don't suffer from hydraulic shock like other species like red so they don't suffer from the shock of bullet impact you know bullet uh samba are notorious bullet sponges you know they they can just run for miles with what seemed like a fatal hit uh so shot placement is crucial and they need big calibers to get the job done. You need big calibers. That's why I, I love a thirty oh six. And it's hardly an animal in the world you can't take on with a thirty oh six. That's why I got mine at the start. Certainly, the uh, three hundred wind mags, popular calibers these days. Um, uh, any of your thirty cals uh, will do the job. Uh, a really good quality bullet, and yeah, just just practice, practice, and practice. You need to be able to do a good shot quickly. Um, it needs to go into the into the engine room, break shoulder or break spine. Other than that, um, yeah, don't even contemplate it on a sandbag. You're going to wound it. It's going to run off. 
Yeah, what a, talking about shot placement, I know people, I've seen them and seen videos where the shot placement, you know, sometimes is fantastic, yet they still, you know, continue to keep running. I'm, I'm, it's amazing, really. What, one, why is that? And two, why on some different shots where they haven't been so good, they're just, you know, you see them just, you know, flop and drop, you know, are they just that tough of, a, of an animal? Yep, they are. They are. It just comes down to that tenacity as well, and it's it's in their genes. It's in their DNA. Yeah, to 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 fight. That's what's uh, that's what's so special about them. Again, I haven't seen it anywhere like tar. You know, New Zealand tar are notoriously hard to hit, but hard to kill. So, um, but apart from that, I haven't. I don't know anything as tough as a sambo. And yeah, you um, <laughs> had some funny conversations <laughs> with guys that are just go that you know have had a. You know, had like a 35 wheeling or something, you know, big, 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 big bullets, big guns and big calibers and put in a shot straight through the shoulder, you know, and they swear, they go, Rob, mate, let's shot it straight through the heart, you know, it's straight to high shoulder, heart, lung, whatever, low shoulder, heart, it should have died, it just ran off, you know, I tracked it, couldn't find it and, yep, you know, look, definitely if, it's, if an animal is shot through the heart, uh, and through the lungs, it is going to die. Um, but it just might take a while to die in the case of Samba. So you need to be able to track them and follow up. You know, you can never leave a Samba shot and just walk away thinking you miss. You had know, to follow up and be prepared to follow up for hours because they have this innate strength and tenacity to survive. So, you know, they're like Cape Buffalo. You know, it's the only thing I can, um, that I can equate them to. Cape Buffalo is in the league of its own. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, the, the Samba... Is is definitely the the Cape Buffalo of the deer of the deer world. Put it that way, you know they'll they'll soak up a bullet. And um, I don't I don't know why there's something in their makeup, but yeah, definitely they don't suffer that hydraulic shock, so that's an issue. So you need to get my favourite shot on a samba is is one that'll break the spine. It's a low percentage shot. I don't recommend it for guys that don't know what they're doing. But whenever I've got a clear shot at their spine, I've done a lot of examination of the animal. I know I'm pretty confident that I can get it. So I'll take that shot, and that, that drops them on the spot. Apart from that, any side-on shot straight up the shoulder should try and break the shoulder and, and get into you know a, a heart shot or a double lung shot. But yeah. you said there about why some animal why some shots looks good looks good and they run off again. That's just down to the individual animal, and um, you know it might have penetrated the, the lungs and they can still they can still run on a, on a lung shot that's for sure but some raking shots hit spine you know and they drop so i remember shooting one thing that sticks with me is i remember shooting um a um i was, I was just out sort of a meat hunt sort of to, for what whatever i could get and i was sitting up on a rocky high point looking down on two samba feeding it was a hind and a and a younger one and they weren't sort of out in the open at the same time they were feeding in and out of cover it was getting dark and, and I kind of lost track of which one was which. I, I, I was trying to shoot the bigger animal. I wanted to get as much meat as I oh, could. People can't even shoot deer and you've got pick of the crop. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. That's nothing. <laughs> and um, and the, uh, I, this animal came out and I shot it. It turned out to be the younger one. When I got down there, it was a, you know, sort of a, a yearling, which is a perfect, perfect meat animal, tender, but I shot it and it, I shot it straight through the chest and I thought that's going to anchor that animal and it just sprinted off around the spur. I couldn't believe it. When I got down there, you know, got ready for a heavy tracking session and heavy blood trail and, the, you know, through my 3006 with a, um, I think with a 180, 180 grain bullet, it had just blown apart the chest cavity, basically shattered its, its, um, its heart. But it was able to run out on its last, you know, basically before the blood drained from its brain, its muscles, it was able to run on that. And it ran about 80 metres before just piling up. And I'll never forget that. So it's amazing what big stags can do. When they, when they get up and they're charged with adrenaline, adrenaline charges those muscles, it puts them into survival mode, and, yeah, they can run. They can run hard. Yep, true. I know we were just talking about, you know, firearms. Let's talk about reloading. I mean, some people do, some people don't. Um, when hunting, obviously, the big samba deer, what sort of, you know, one projectiles I think should we be looking at? Some people like different types of projectiles, but big deer, what should we do? What should we be looking at? Yeah, look, mate, I'll, I'll admit I'm out of my depth here. I'm not a reloader myself. I'm not a real firearms expert. Um, uh, it just, it's just, you just need a, a really good quality expanding bullet, you know, one that, that's hold itself and isn't going gonna, isn't gonna to shatter. You need, uh, you know, the... the um, the Hornady 
super performance stuff is fantastic. Any of the any of the Swift A frames, the Barnes X, there, you know, they've all the, the new Seiko stuff. They're all top quality ammo. You pay for it, but hey, look what you're doing. You know, this is what it comes down to. You get all that effort, and I see people whinging about you know, you know price of ammo. Hey, this is <laughs> this is what it's all about. You want to get that animal down. You got to put a, put a good bullet in the right place. So don't skimp on ammo. You need a a, a good quality expanding bullet that's going to hold its core. So um, I've never reloaded. I don't get into that. So um, you don't have to go over the top. When I was younger, I used to put 220-grain cannonballs in my 306 and just try and head <laughs> up the bush. And um, I've since, you know, backed that off down to, you know, the 150s and the 180s that actually fly a bit faster and a bit further and hold their, um, hold their velocity right out to the end. So um, I'll leave that up to... To guys to research further, but a top quality, just pay for a top quality bullet. That's that's what I can recommend. Yep. Let's talk about some advanced sort of scouting techniques a hunter could use when trying to find samba. So where mm-hmm. should they be looking? Okay. When you're in the, let's presume you know a bit what you're looking for. You've got the right place, and you know there's there's, there's samba around, or someone's told you where some are, or you're heading up a gully to look for them. You need to go. You need to. The first thing you need to get right is the wind. Now, the wind is very hard to get right, but when you study it, you know what it's doing, all right? So in the morning, and this is basic kind of deer hunting 101, but in the cold morning, right, the, um, the, the, the thermals are going to be sinking. You've got cool air in all those galleys, and it's going to be sinking from the cold night. So you generally, starting down low, you've got, a, you've got a breeze in your face if you've got still conditions, this is. So the thermal will sink in the morning. So by starting low, you've generally got, a wind in, in your face and at some point in the morning the atmosphere is going to warm up and that air is going to um, start to rise it's going to reverse now that's all dependent again on the aspect of the face you're on you can have a you know the, the air rising on one side of the gully and it's sinking on the other side of the gully you know so you've got to plan your elevations and where you start according to what the wind is doing now if, if Sam smells you it's out of there trust me it's just not going to hang around They'll honk at you if they don't know what you are, but when they smell you, they're out of there. They won't honk. They just run. So for tactics, you need to be get the wind as right as best you can. If it's swirling, then it's swirling. It's swirling for you, but it's also swirling for the deer. So it's generally not all over if it's swirling around. you just got to keep nutting it out and have patience. Um, use the wind to your advantage and then go slow. You need to stalk slowly when you think you're on deer. If I'm on good sign or I'm in a good area, then I'm going very slow and continuously looking through my binoculars as referenced earlier, you know, for those parts of a deer or that back line. Um, if I'm in a rubbish area or the wind's up, you know, up, up, my, up my backside, as they say, um, they then if I know I've blown out a whole gully with my scent, then I'll just generally rock it out of there. You know, I can't get out of there fast enough. I'll slow down when I get around the next spur and start hunting again. It's never all over, that's for sure. The next spur is a whole new chapter. So um, I don't get fast on that. But uh, if the other thing is you, you never, you know, you never, um, never discount fresh signs. So if you're on marks or fresh marks, follow it. The old rule that I've, you know, me and my mates go by, you never leave a deer to find another deer, if that makes sense. You know, if you've got fresh marks there, that it means a deer has gone past there in the last few hours or so. So, so don't leave it to go to another spot you think might be better or whatever. Try and find that deer. And with Samba, you're in. You generally got a big, heavy animal. You know, they're 100, um, 100, 1.3 meters at the shoulder. You know, they're over 300 kilograms for a big stag, and you've got a hind weighing maybe 200, 230 kilos. So they make a good track. You can you can track them in in soft ground and, and harder ground. And, Generally, you'd be able to track them for a long way in the high country as they get on game trails. So back yourself on fresh sign to follow them up. And when it gets really fresh, you know, be stop looking at the ground and start looking ahead. That's where you need to be. Yeah, mate, if you had to pick, I know there's a lot of different techniques, but your top two or three advanced techniques that would help a hunter either get, you know, a meat samba or even that trophy samba, what do you think your top two or three would be? Okay. Well, again, touching on that last one, learn, learn to track deer. You know, that's one of the best, the best things about Samba. And I think, it's, I think the tracking aspect of it has, has, has been a bit sadly missed in recent years. Um, 
with a lot of new hunters coming into it. And the fact that there's more deer out there for sure, you can kind of amble along and, 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 and bump into them. If you do enough time in the bush with the wind in your face, you'll, you know, you'll bump into a samba. But um, definitely with, with high-end optics and things coming into it these days, you can glass a lot more for deer in, in, in good country. But to, um, excuse me, to, to track a deer is, is a real skill and it's something that all young hunters or any hunter, but particularly young hunters, should, should try and learn the disciplines of. And that's just time in the bush and examining, examining tracks and learning how to age them and, and get their direction. Um, so that, and, and you never stop learning again, but the ability to track a deer and follow it up and, and pursue it is a very rewarding experience. And, uh, Again, that's you know, it's a real cultural throwback to the caveman days, you know, being able to, to track it down. So that's an advanced technique, um, although it's a very basic technique, if that makes sense, you know. Um, never overlook a fresh mark. So um, live by the wind, as I said earlier, just live by the wind. Um, and no matter how good you think a spot is that you're going to that might reveal a deer, if the wind is up your backside, it's all over. Um, I've been sucked into that before. You waste a lot of time, but when the wind's up there, sure, if you want to go for a walk, hey, it's, the Samba country is a nice place for a bushwalk. But uh, that's what you are doing <laughs> when the wind's behind you. You know, you're, you're bushwalking. So live live by the wind and be cautious of your profile. So your profile as a hunter is very intimidating to a Samba. He knows who's out there, right? He knows that Samba. Uh, sorry, he knows that hunters are out, humans are hunters, and they're out to get him. So um, a human profile broken up by camouflage and hats and things like that. But if you get close to a samba and he doesn't know you're there or they let a honk out, a honk is generally a warning sign that he doesn't know what you are or him or her doesn't know what you are and they're trying to scare you and get time to escape or they want to know more. And that is about their only downfall, that the, the fact that they're very curious animals. So... I've often had Samba come in or come and investigate me and you can kind of call them in if you like by making little vocal noises when you know, only when you know you've got everything in your favour, you've got wind in your favour and you know they haven't gotten onto you and this is generally when I'm down low as well, sitting down. So if I get busted or honked at by a Samba, I usually sit down straight away. And once you sit down, it just eliminates that human hunter profile and they start to think, they start to think, oh, what's that over there? You know, is that a human or is it a wombat or is it a lyrebird or is it a dog? You know, and, and Samba are <laughs> unafraid they, they aren't afraid of dogs. You know, they live with wild dogs in their native range and they live with wild dogs here and they're hunted by hounds all the time, you know, and speak to any hound, houndsman and he'll tell you how a Samba can quickly, um, quickly dispatch a hound if it gets out of, um, you know, if it gets its way. They've killed lots of hounds. So, um, they're not afraid of a dog. They'll take on a dog and they'll come in and investigate you. If, if you're in, usually that's with remote deer. Like this is usually when I'm backpacking or in remote spots where they haven't had a lot of hunter pressure. If Samba is smart, right, if they've been hunted hard, they'll know that that sound is generally coming for a human and they'll get out of there. But, um, yeah, their, their curiosity is their downfall. So you'll generally get a bit of time if you can get low and break up your profile. So that would be my... Uh, my last tip, I suppose, would if once you've got your skills up a bit, and if you've got the mindset for it, and the and, and the physical ability, and the and and the determination to do it, you know, get into backpacking, get out into that remote country because there's just endless hundreds of square miles of it in Victoria here, and you can get away from everyone else, and you can generally get onto populations of samba that haven't had a lot of hunting pressure, and what's good about that is that they are much more predictable in their movements. So I don't think they're any dumber. They're certainly no such thing as a dumb samba, but um, they're a lot more predictable in those remote areas. So learn to track them, follow fresh marks, uh, live by the wind, be cautious of your profile, um, use the curiosity of the deer to your favour and then try some remote country. Yeah, Rob, people normally go out for, a, say, a samba hunt and they, they hear them or they hear them running off, and that's happened to me a couple of times in all different types of deer. Now, what to say on the flip side, what to say two or three things that you think are the number one, two, and three that people are doing wrong when hunting yeah. samba deer, which is sort of in, you know, inhibiting their success? Yeah, well, look, we get a lot of people coming to the shop down here at Maroka 30 that are, you know, uh, are looking to get started or they're starting out, and, and they're hunting really tight, thick areas. Um, there's samba all through Victoria, and... Um, 
They tend to hang out in the you know the forestry areas where it's thick regrowth or in logging coops and things like that. Um, and sure, there is deer there, but getting onto one and getting a shot at one is is very difficult. And I know why they go there because it's close. You know, it's hard when you're starting out. You can you want to get there and or you've only got half a morning on a Saturday or a weekend or something like that, so you want to go close. Um, but, yeah, hunting thick country I think is, is counterproductive, particularly when you're starting out. You're going to get frustrated pretty quick. So that would be one thing. Um, uh, the other thing would be, yeah, not paying attention to those crucial things about the wind, um, not paying enough attention to the wind and, uh, and going too fast, going through too fast through the bush. You've really got to slow down and look. You know, those... These deer just move very slowly and they look around and they feed. So you need to go slowly and look at all areas, examine every bit of scrub before you move on. So some people don't have the patience for that, but it's kind of teaching yourself, you know, patience if you like. So I think they would be the main things, Jace, that people are getting wrong. Yep, I know uh, Samba deer are a very large animal. Now, caping and butchering, any obviously not any different than you know uh, processing any other animal. Obviously, they're bigger, so you shoot them in a remote area. It's obviously going to be hard to get them out. How should people deal with um, you know, dressing out their deer to bring it home? Yeah, yeah, exactly. No different to another to any other deer species. But you're right; it's just 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 bigger. Yeah, shooting a you know, three hundred kilo stag in the backcountry, man, that, that's hard work. Um, <laughs> So, I'd have to get yeah. you along there, Rob. You'd carry it out for me, wouldn't you? Or... <laughs> You're a bit fitter. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. I'd, I'd, I'd kick you in the butt for shooting it. So why'd you shoot it back here, mate? Look what you've caused. Look at the drama you've caused us now. But yeah, the hard work, that's it. The hard work <laughs> begins when you're there. And no doubt, so there's no doubt I've been in places where I think, mate, I'm never going to get a deer out of here. I should take the, take the bullet out of my rifle right now. Um, so, yeah, you just have to be conscious of that. The steep country makes it, uh, it makes it tricky too. You know, sometimes the animal want to slide down the hill all the time. But, no, just get yourself a good meat bag, uh, a couple of, you know, we've, we've got a heap of that stuff on the Maroka 30 store. We've got our Quartermaster meat bag that we designed for getting Samba out of, of steep country. That's great. So get yourself a good meat bag, sharp knife, really. The principles are no different. Just butcher out the, butcher out the quarters. You know, whenever we're breaking down an animal, you just get – break it down to quarters and back straps and take it out from there and, uh, and do the hard work, do the serious work back at home. Rob, uh, my listeners always love a good story. Uh, I'm not, I know you told one on the <laughs> yeah. previous show, so I don't want the same one, but tell us a uh, story, mate, a good story either oh, yeah. on Samba or yeah. anything in particular that you think's been great or maybe something that's happened since the last show that's, that's awesome that you can you know, share with the listeners. I can't remember the story I told on the last one, so I hope I don't tell it again. But what a bad, what a bad host that I don't even know which what it was either. So I tell lots of stories, mate. I don't blame you. Hey, look, Samba wise, I don't think I've told this one on here. Samba wise, my best, you know, my best. I, I put it down to two stags. There's lots of lots of little hunts. One would be with a dog. That was very re- rewarding for me getting you know a stag with my pointer Angus. Um, another one would be that 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 stag I got over Australia Day. Um, but I reckon the best the best one for me is still my my, my big twenty nine. Um, if I go on to shoot a, a bigger stag than him, so be it. But that will always um, be one of my favourites because because of how I got it. You know, I could go up the bush and walk into a gully and first gully and put up a thirty five inch and shoot it. I'd be wrapped, you know. But it wouldn't mean what that other stag meant to me. And I got that one because it's actually triggered something that I forgot to talk about. I got that one because I started making a diary and um, I started keeping a hunting diary uh, of where I was going wrong and all my mistakes and where I was seeing Samba and you know, I got frustrated like anyone does that of not being able to back it up. I wanted to, to consistently find Samba. So I started making notes of when stags were rubbing in certain gullies in the area I was hunting and keeping a notes over a sort of 18 months to two years. And suddenly that, when it came around to this sort of next season, I had two years of data to go on. And um, I knew this a stag was rubbing in a particular area. It was after the 03 fires actually. And, um, and I went down to check out the area. It had been heavily burnt and I thought the stag might have uh, been roasted with all the other ones. But I found some – found um, some country that wasn't burnt that I had, you know, in my diary from, from previous years. And um, I got a bit cunning with this one. I took a mate along with me, Andrew, who actually hosts the show with me a bit, and uh, it was his first Samba hunt. We went into this particular gully in the afternoon 
and um, it was getting quite late. And there was a lot of sign there from from the night before, you know, over the last sort of week or whatever. There's just a lot of feeding sign. And it was the first time that with red hot fresh sign, I said to myself and my mate, I said, let's not do this. Let's not do this now. This is wrong. We, we don't have enough time to do this properly and we're going to stink up the galley. There's a lot of Samba feeding here. They're obviously pretty happy with it. We saw the marks of a big stag. There was a big footprint there of a stag. And if you track them, you'll learn to know what a big stag is. And um, uh, it was, yeah, we're nearly out of light. Let's back out of here and we'll come back in the morning because we had a beautiful morning the next morning. The, you know, it was the, the, the sun, was, the, the sky was perfectly clear. It was dropping out with no wind. So I knew we had a cracker morning out of the next morning. So next morning we came back in really early and um, we split up either side of the galley and I put, Andrew on one side and myself on the other. He was over on the sunny side where I thought the stag might be and we walked up slowly in there and the sign was there. You know, they'd been feeding during the night down lower and they were making their way up into the gully head to bed for the day. And we got up into the first sun spot where the first sun was hitting the, the, the side of the, of, the, of the gully as it rose over the ridge behind me. And I said to Andrew on the radio, I said, look, mate, get ready. I reckon, you know, if I was a, if I was a deer, that's where I'd be. These deer are going to be chasing that sun. It's been freezing overnight. We've got a red hot sign. Get ready. And, um, and I actually jumped up in front of him. There was a small group. Like I said, there was a hind, a, a classic group of a hind, a yearling and a young one and a big stag with him. And um, I was lucky on my side that, that he sort of put them up. They saw him. They didn't see me. The stag ran out and I was in a really open area that had just been lightly burnt and I was able to get a cross gully shot into that, into that big stag. And, yeah, he fell and... He was the big guy. And, um, yeah, when I look at that, you know, it was the culmination of all those years of sort of frustration and keeping a diary and everything that, that suddenly worked and you know, just worked a treat. It's rare when it all works like that. You know, that was a textbook hunt the way it worked. But, it, it, you know, hey, it did come off. And, and I wouldn't have done that, wouldn't have got that stag if I didn't pay attention to all my previous experience and make those notes in the diary so if i can say one more thing keep a keep a hunting diary and record in it all your deer sightings the aspect the elevation the weather of the day because samba is so responsive to weather and um you'll start to make your own little encyclopedia of areas that you know and go back and hunt the same areas don't keep moving around you know go back hunt those same areas and learn the habits of the deer in those areas and you'll start to form your own um, bank of knowledge that you can apply to different areas and then soon you'll get experienced at it that you can pretty much, you know, you can be blindfolded and thrown in any gully in Victoria and you'll know from your experience where to find deer on any given um, day, given the weather. And, um, yeah, you'll suddenly um, have that, that weight of, uh, of frustration lifted off your shoulders and you'll enjoy your hunting a lot more. Awesome, Rob. Uh, people want to find out about Beyond the Divide, they want to watch the show. Where can they go and do that? Where can they find out about Maroka 30 um, if they want to buy some awesome hunting uh, Aperol and products? Um, yep, so Beyond the Divide will be on Channel 44 again nationally. Uh, we ex- excluding um, ACT, Tassie and Northern Territory, but they don't have Channel 44, but you can catch up with it online. That'll start in late April or May. You can get Series 1 and Series 2 via our website. So check out um, all the information on beyondthedivide.com.au. Um, for Samba stuff, um, yeah, come and see myself or Tony in the shop at Maroka 30 uh, down in Melbourne. Uh, you can find all our stuff online at maroka30.com.au or ask for it in your local gun shop. And for anyone interstate that wants to come down and or they're feeling frustrated that they can't get a start you know come and talk to us in the shop or send us an email and um you can come down we'll help you gear up with some stuff and we can send you up to some places in the high country here on public land and hopefully get you onto a deer further reading i would say um yeah look join the ada the ad australian deer association does some fantastic hunter education courses um myself and tony and a heap of other ADA volunteers and, and a lot of really good experienced guys uh, participate as lecturers and presenters at the annual um, ADA Neerum Hunter Education course. That's in each May, you know, May, June each year. 
So that'll probably be nearly sold out for this year, but it's a three-day weekend down in the heart of Samba country in Victoria. And if you want to learn to hunt Samba, uh, it's for about 350 bucks, I think, for, for members, and you won't get a better value course in the country for that. Chase up uh, Noel O'Connor. He's another guy that's doing um, Hunter Ed courses that does a lot of um, it does a lot of good stuff. His DVDs are great. Um, chase up Paul Bogue. Paul Bogue uh, runs Hunter Education Training one-on-one down here in Victoria. He's a great fellow, keen as mustard and very experienced on Samba. And um, other than that, look up for some great reading material, um, any of Errol Mason's books. Look up for uh, the, the Wild Deer Mag, the Australian Deer Hunter magazine and also the new Australian Deer Association magazine. There's some great reading in that. Um, that's pretty much it, I reckon. <laughs> All right. Rob Pickling is the host of the Beyond the Divide and the owner of Maroka 30. Rob, appreciate your time again as usual. Thanks very much. Not a problem, mate. Thanks again. You've just been educated and this is the Australian Hunting Podcast. Thanks for listening. See you next time.